Good morning to everyone. Bring you greetings in the precious name of Christ, our Lord, our risen Lord. It's good to be back here again, see a few familiar faces. Uh, there's many more that are not familiar than there are that are familiar, but I recognize some of you as children of the people that I would have known a number of years ago when I was here. But it's good to be here this morning with you. The title of the message this morning is On the Road to Emmaus, and I'd like to look at Luke chapter 24, so you can turn there if you would like. <clears throat> I would like to ask you this morning, <clears throat> I appreciated what's been shared already about Samuel and about Esther. How many of you have ever been discouraged in life? Most all of us would have to say that we've faced discouragement at times, haven't we? Um, what about Hannah? You think she faced discouragement? You think she faced her trials? We're told that she did. She's, it says that Elkanah's other wife gave her grief all the time because she had babies and you don't. And that was a source of frustration, source of discouragement. And she came to God and asked for that. Esther probably felt discouraged thinking that the king hasn't asked me to come in for 30 days. And, and now you're saying go in there before him, just like walk in the door and, uh, well, if I perish, I perish. Whatever. I guess I'll try it. I mean, what can I lose <clears throat> other than my life? I'm going to lose it either way. Is that kind of a discouraging thought? I'm going to lose it if I try. I'm going to lose it if I don't try. It's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, this morning in thinking about Luke chapter 24, this passage takes place right after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And if you look at the verses, a couple of verses there at the end of chapter 23, uh, Joseph of Arimathea is coming he comes to Pilate, he asks for the body, he goes, he takes it down, Nicodemus is helping him. He takes the body down from the cross, <clears throat> and he takes it over and he puts it in a tomb. And it says in verse 55, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath, according to the commandment. How would you feel? Put yourself in their shoes. Imagine in your mind, if you will, standing on the hill of Calvary and watching everything that has been happening for the last couple of days, thinking back, the things that have been happening, the, the trial the beatings, the scourging, watching Jesus coming up the hill, blood dripping off of his head, dripping off of his back. He can hardly go. And he's nailed to a cross, slammed in the ground. And this is the man that you thought was going to be your leader. There's a lot of other things happen during this crucifixion. It gets dark. It's you hear this voice, there's earthquakes, and Jesus is crying out. The temple curtain is rent, and then he dies. 
and you see his body taken off the cross and put in a tomb and a huge stone rolled in front of the tomb and you don't even have time because of the upcoming Sabbath, you don't even have time to give him a proper burial. How would you feel if you were in those shoes? Would you feel rather discouraged and rather like there's no hope? There's nothing else to do? Verse 1, chapter 24. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. For these people, their expectations were over. They had expected that Jesus would be the one who was going to redeem them. But their expectations were over. They had seen him put in the grave. They had seen him die. And all that's left is to take the spices and go to prepare his body. Then what? Then it's back to living and waiting for the man who's going to come and redeem us, who's going to come and set us free from our enemies. But you know what? When they got to the tomb, and I wonder, it says, uh, one of the other passages, I think it might be in Matthew, I'm not sure. It says as they're walking to the tomb, how are we going to get the stone away? Who's going to roll the stone away for us? That could be kind of discouraging too, couldn't it? There's no way we're going to move that thing. How are we going to get this thing away? But when they get there, the stone is rolled away. Things are not as they seem. In their minds, it's over. It's done. It's, he's dead. But when they get to the tomb and they walk inside, they, they come up there to the tomb, the stone is away. And they look in there and there's no body. Who stole it away? Who took him? They're thinking about this. They're perplexed. And while they're thinking about that, there's these two angels that come to them and say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember the words that he said. Oh, yeah, that's right. We remember those words. But how many of you and I in feeling discouraged 
and feeling like there's no tomorrow, feeling like there's no point in life, feeling like things are a certain way, how many of us realize that sometimes things are not as they seem? We're seeing it from our perspective, but are we seeing it from God's perspective? It's not maybe quite like what it seems to be. And when the angels say to them, why are you seeking the living among the dead? How many times do you and I seek for life among the dead? You say, well, we don't go to the cemetery and seek for life. Okay, we don't do that. You say, we're amongst living people. We're not going to the tombs. Okay, but how many of us are seeking for life among things or from things, maybe I should say, that are dead? Or are we finding our life in Jesus Christ? They're greatly perplexed. Didn't they remember the words of Jesus? Not until the angels reminded them, but even so, they still didn't understand quite what that meant. But Jesus said... In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Do we remember those words when we're facing times of discouragement in our life, when we're looking for life among things that are dead? And when I talk about things that are dead, there can be a lot of things in life that seem very much alive. It seems like there's, you know, maybe it's our work. We love our work, and it seems like there's fulfillment in things there, and we seek and we search and we, we pour ourselves into this for what? A paycheck that disappears? Um, what might it be? It, there might be other things. There might, it might be sports. I enjoy sports. Do we pour ourselves into sports only to find that there's no life there? Why are we looking for life among those things that are dead? Are we remembering the words of Jesus or are we too wrapped up in the here and now? And are we too wrapped up in what's happening in our own lives, our own issues? It says here that these ladies remember and they go and they tell the other disciples, the other apostles, they tell them that the angel said he's not here, and he's not. He's not there. We didn't see him, okay? How many of you would believe that? If someone came out here to your cemetery and came back and told you that they checked the grave and the person's, it's gone, it's empty, and somebody told you that they're alive, would you believe them? Most of us wouldn't, would we? It would be like idle tales. How many of us would be like Peter and would actually go and check it out? But you know what? Peter got there and he checked it out. But it doesn't say that he saw any angels. It doesn't say that Jesus talked to him. He didn't see Jesus. He, and it says that he went away marveling to himself at what had happened. Can you just imagine Peter walking away, scratching his head, and mumbling to himself about, I wonder what's going on. I mean... We saw this thing happen. We, he's not here. And, and they claim there's angels, but I didn't see anybody. And what would your and I, my response, your response, what would that be? 
in this situation. Let's keep going. Verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Things happen. We talk about it, don't we? So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty indeed, and and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, this is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And this is where I got the title to the message, On the Road to Emmaus. These two people, these two disciples, are walking down the road and they're discussing things. And obviously from what Jesus said to them, he said, what are these things, what kind of conversation that you walk and are sad. Obviously, they're discouraged people. They're sad people. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand any of this. How many of us in our world today, in our world that's chaotic, the last year and a half especially have been very chaotic, how many of us today understand what is going on in our world? If you, it depends who you listen to, what's happening in our world today. One person says this, one person says that, somebody else says something else. Nobody really knows except to know that there's chaos in our world. And not just here in our little portion of the world, but all over the world. There's chaos, there's fighting, there's bickering, there's destruction, there's all kinds of problems. And sometimes we can get pretty sad, can't we? pretty discouraged when we look at what's going on around us. And our conversations can be kind of uh, discouraging. And Jesus says, what, what conversation are you talking about? What things? What things? Are you the only one a stranger? I mean, if somebody would come in and say, what are you talking about? What would we say? They wanted to know where he's been, what's going on. And they started telling him all the problems, all the things that are going on, and all of their expectations. And then Jesus says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. When Jesus was alive, he used to talk to these people about what the prophets said. And he says that your fathers killed all the prophets. 
anybody that would say something they didn't like, they would just kill them. They would, they would beat them and they would kill them. And he gave them a parable of the vineyard. And he said, this guy leased out his vineyard and he sent this servant, they beat him up. Sent this servant, they beat him up. Send this service, they kill him. Send this. And finally he sent his son. And they said, here's the heir, let's kill him. And then it's ours. And it made the Pharisees and scribes angry because they knew he was talking about them. They didn't quite understand what he meant, and they didn't. They were trying to get him, but they couldn't. And he says, Don't you believe what all has been spoken? You're slow to hear. These people claim that, well, you know, if we would have been alive, then we wouldn't have done that. And they did that. They killed the son that the father sent. The owner of the vineyard sent his son to earth. And these people killed him. They fulfilled everything that Jesus said. They fulfilled everything that the prophets said was going to happen to the Messiah. These people fulfilled that. And Jesus says to these two disciples that are walking down the road all discouraged, Listen, don't you understand? And it says that from Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them everything that should happen. All Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament. Jesus was creating the New Testament. The disciples were creating the New Testament. He expounded it from the Old Testament, what's going to happen. <clears throat> it says, as they, verse 28, They drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, and he took bread, and blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. So at this point, their eyes have been restrained. I don't know how God did that. I don't know if he put scales over it, if he just dimmed their understanding. I don't know what he did. But they didn't know who this was until Jesus sat down at the table with them and broke the, broke the bread and blessed it and gave it to him. It says their eyes were opened. They knew who he was, and he vanished out of their sight. What do you think was going through their minds at that point? They've been so sad and discouraged and distraught over what happened. They thought that this is the man who is going to redeem Israel. They thought. And now he's dead. But you know what? If he wouldn't have died, he couldn't have redeemed Israel. It was the man who was going to redeem Israel, but they had the wrong concept of redemption. They thought that it's going to be somebody to set them free from the Romans. Jesus came to set them free from their sins. They had a wrong concept of who he was. Things were not like they seemed. They were expecting one thing. Jesus was expecting something else. He was doing something else. And sometimes in your life and mine, when things seem to be going wrong, and we get discouraged, and we feel like, might as well just give up. It's just not working. Might as well just quit. What is God trying to do 
in your life and mine. I saw a sign, I'm not sure if it was at Bevan Duane's or if it was one of the stores we were at yesterday or whatever, but it said something to the effect, and I can't repeat it word for word, but something to the effect that when things don't seem to be going right around you, God is trying to do something in you. And oftentimes we expect everything to be right around us. Sometimes we have the wrong perceptive, perception. <clears throat> How many of us have found ourselves on the road to Emmaus in life? Our dreams have come crashing down. Our plans have been affected and dashed. How many of us had dreams and visions of a better world because political winds are flowing a certain direction and so we think things are going to be better and all of a sudden the winds are blowing the opposite direction and now what? Now what's going to happen and the chaos and the turmoil and we can get discouraged and we can get frustrated and we can get upset. We can find ourselves on the road to Emmaus for a number of different reasons in that condition. But what you and I need to hear is we need to hear the voice of God speaking to us. We need to hear the voice of Jesus saying to us, listen, are you remembering my words? Are you remembering the things that I've told you? I don't have those references down here this morning, but Jesus said... That in the last times, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be war. I think it's Matthew 25, if I remember correctly. It's going to be war, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be famine, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be all these things are going to happen and people are going to deliver you up and you're going to be killed for my name's sake and all this stuff's going to happen. Okay? But he says, look up for your redemption draws nigh. That's only the beginning of sorrows. That's not the end. That's only the beginning. And Luke chapter 21, 28 says to look up for your redemption draws nigh. When you see these things happening. We can be like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus and we can get so discouraged with things that are happening in our world today. We can get so discouraged when our dreams are smashed, when our plans are destroyed, when all those things happen. We can get so discouraged, but we need to hear the voice of God speaking during that time, bringing us back to the fact that I am the bread of life. I am the water that will give you what you need. You'll never thirst again. I have a plan for your life. I have a purpose for all these things that are happening. Verse 32 and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And <clears throat> as you continue down through that chapter, it says while they're talking about this, Jesus himself appears in the midst. And they're scared and they're frightened. And, and he says, here, you know, give me something to eat. Don't be scared of me. 
I'm real. I'm here. I'm here to help you and here to encourage you. And so they give him something to eat. But one of the points I'd like to make this morning is they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us along the way? I ask you this morning, what makes your heart burn? What is it that makes your heart burn and you've just got to talk? you just got to share it. You just, oh, you can hardly hold it in. Is it sports? Oh, my team was winning last night. Man, they won by all. Or my team was losing last night. You know, you can get discouraged too. If that's where we're going to put our focus. Is it that that makes it burn? Is it when we talk about politics makes our heart burn? Is it when we talk about our work, when we talk about our hobbies? What is it that makes our heart burn within us? Or is it the word of God that when we read that all these things are going to take place? It's the beginning of sorrows. But when you see these things begin to happen, when you see the fig tree begin to bud, when you see those things start to happen, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. And so in our chaotic world today, instead of getting discouraged and instead of getting all bent out of shape, but whatever, and it's, it's not just in the world out there, it's in our churches today too. People are bent out of shape at each other over lots of issues, not just, not just whether you wear a mask or not, not just over COVID. There's lots of things. Are we going to get discouraged about that? And are we going to get frustrated? And are we going to demand rights? And well, you can't treat us that way and everything else. Or are we going to remember the words of Jesus and look up? Are these things going to cause our hearts to burn within us? Because, brothers and sisters, that means it's getting close to the end. It is time for God, to, for Jesus to return. It is time for this world to end and Jesus Christ to come and claim his bride. Which is more exciting? To demand my rights and I don't have to do this or I have to do that or you should or you shouldn't or whatever? Or to say, come Lord Jesus. Jesus, I can't wait for you to return. I can't wait for you to come back. What's more exciting? What's going to make our hearts burn within us? And as you finish that chapter, verses 44, let's go to 44. He said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He says, These are the words that were written that must be fulfilled about me. When he's teaching about Christ, the, the things in, in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. All these things had to happen. 
You didn't like it that I was put on trial and that I was beaten and mocked and scourged and all these things and that I was crucified and that I died. You didn't like all that, but it all had to happen to fulfill the scripture. If all those things had to happen, then what about all the rest of the things that Jesus prophesied are going to happen at the end of the age? Do they not have to happen too? If one promise of God is true, does it not mean they're all true? We can't pick and choose which promises we want to accept. Every promise, every prophecy that God has given so far through the Old Testament, you see them being fulfilled. Then if Jesus is saying that I'm coming again, I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come and call you. There's going to be wars and famines and all these things, but look up. We can trust him. We can trust him. We don't have to get all discouraged. We don't have to be going down the road to Emmaus. We need to be like those disciples that when they said, did not our heart burn within us, what did they do? Did they sit down and eat and say, hey, you know, we'll head back tomorrow and let them know? No, it says they turned right around and went back right away and they said hey this is what happened and they found out there's other good news if we would turn around and go back and start proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to our friends and to our neighbors we're going to find out that there's other good things that says that they found out that God has appeared Jesus has appeared to Simon and then Jesus is there in the midst you're going to find out that when we start discussing these things Amongst ourselves, we're going to find out that other good things are happening too with the Holy Spirit speaking to our lives. And we're going to find encouragement and we're going to be ready to go forth and proclaim. And he says that it's supposed to, the word of God is supposed to be preached beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses. And you and I today are witnesses. We have seen the word. We have experienced the new birth in our life. We've experienced Jesus Christ in our hearts. You and I are witnesses, and our job is to go. Starting at home, branching out, but our job is to go. Some of us will never get much further, maybe than home. That's where God will call you to work. Some of us will expand further. Some of us will go out other places. But we're all supposed to go. And at the end of the chapter, it says, He led them as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. It came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them, carried up into heaven, and they worshiped and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. It was mentioned earlier this morning that there's a long timeline and you've been placed at a certain spot. God has placed, God placed Esther, God placed Mordecai at those places for a reason. God has placed you and I today on this timeline for a reason. He has a purpose for your life. Maybe you and I don't know what that purpose is. Maybe we feel discouraged. But it's time 
to hear the voice of Jesus speaking and explaining the scriptures and recognizing that he's the only thing, he's the only person that can fulfill those longings and those desires in our hearts. If we seek among the dead, we're not going to find it. We're not going to find him. We're not going to find fulfillment. If we seek the living, if we seek Jesus Christ, we will receive and we'll be filled and we'll be going forth praising and blessing God. We'll be turning around. Instead of going down the road of discouragement, we'll be turning around and going back to share the good news, the joy, the glory of God. Look up, for your redemption draws nigh. Some of these things that we look at in our world today as being problems, that's from our perspective. I think if we could look at it from God's perspective, we would see that God is using those things to stir things up and to get people thinking and to get people praying and to get people searching. And so instead of being things to discourage us and to get us down, we need to try to see them from God's viewpoint as being things to give us opportunities to share the gospel and to present that Jesus has the answer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you <clears throat> for being with us here this morning. I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for all your promises and prophecies in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled through your crucifixion, through your resurrection, through your persecution. We thank you, Father, that as we look at the words that Jesus gave, that we can see that things are still progressing. Things are happening today that are pointing towards his soon return. Father, I pray that you would go with us as we go forth from here, that you would help us to see things from your perspective, not from ours. Help us to look at things the way you see them and to seek to find what it is that you're trying to show us, what you're trying to teach us, what you're wanting us to do, how you're wanting us to move ahead. And I pray, Father, that in everything we say and do, we would bring honor and glory to you. Pray that you'd bless this congregation, draw them close to you, close to each other, help them to be a shining light, Father, as they go about their daily lives, whatever it might be, that people who come in contact would know that they're on the road to Jerusalem, that they're on the road to bringing praise, honor, and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.